This is My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic. What is going on, my friends? Feels like forever since I did an MTR Beyond the Mic or an MTR Behind the Mic, but we've been very busy with a lot of different content for Rageworks, episodes of My Take Radio, new shows, etc. But had to share this amazing interview that we had with Lewis Blout from Soul Purpose Designs. Had the chance to link up with Lewis at the Nike Air Max Con, and we actually connected not only over a pair of sneakers, but over a pair of sneakers that had some comic book detailing and customization. Uh, he had a pair of Air Jordans on with Spider Man on them. On the he had the Spider Man face on the tongue of the shoe, and considering all the different amazing sneakers I saw at the event. You know, that resonated with me being a comic book fan. So I ended up striking up a conversation and sharing a couple of pictures of his shoes on the Rageworks Instagram. Fast forward a few months later, find out that he is launching a clothing line, which I had the opportunity to check out during our interview. And the rest is history, folks. I got to say, um, Soul Purpose Designs is not only a labor of love for Lewis, but it's also, you know, inspiration who it keeps a lot of the, you know, the, the hip hop influence front and center, but also, um, pushes messages of positivity, which is awesome. I think that's something that's severely lacking nowadays. You know, there's a lot of, um, really, one dimensional stuff that's being put out there. And I think that what Lewis is trying to do with his brand is definitely innovative, different, and above all creative. In addition to that, I saw some amazing footwear that he is working on for sole purpose, which just blew my mind, not only because of the attention to detail, but because of all the, the great inspiration that he was drawing from to bring a lot of these different uh, pieces to life. And I think that if you guys are, you know, hip hop fans, fans of comics, pop culture, you're going to want to keep an eye out for soul purpose designs. I think Lewis is onto something special and unique. And I really am grateful for him taking the time out of his busy schedule to sit down and chop it up with us. So without any further ado, check out this brand new episode of MTR beyond the mic with Lewis Blout from soul purpose designs. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to a brand new installment of My Take Radio Beyond the Mic, where we showcase creatives and talented individuals that are on our radar, and we want to bring them to yours. I'm sitting here with Louis Blout, the founder of Soul Purpose Designs, a brand new up-and-coming design company here in New York City, putting out some really kick-ass apparel. We finally had a chance to sit down and chop it up. 
So let's turn it over to Lewis. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. Good. Good to see you guys. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Um, as uh, Rich pointed out, uh, we are a startup brand uh, out of Brooklyn, New York, um, with a co-founder out of Queens, so repping at least two of the boroughs, but definitely uh, have love for the whole city. Um, really glad to be here with you guys today. So let's start with the with, with some of the easier stuff. What inspired you to start Soul Purpose? Uh, so, oddly, Soul Purpose, the, the name uh, as, a, as an actual title, uh, came to me in college. A friend of mine and I had been managing some small music artists in the capital region up around Albany where I went to school. And, um, you know, we had this idea of, like, this is people's purpose in life. And we had both been raised around soul music, my mom being a big fan of that sort of Motown sound. And so that name came to me. And when I got to this place where I started to think about uh, a name for the design company, uh, it seemed really fitting. And we actually found out that uh, DSW owns the name Soul Purpose, S-O-L-E. So we added designs to the name, um, both not to confuse ourselves with them and also uh, to avoid any issue with the, the website and people finding us online. Now... With that said, you know, the the creative process and trying to determine direction, style, was that a collaborative effort then with you and your partner, or does one of you kind of look at it from one handles the business end, one handles the design end? So we, we share in both parts of the activity. The, the initial product for the company was sneakers, uh, and then the other apparel, the T-shirts, the hats, um, sweatshirts, etc., uh, all sort of came after that. Uh, my partner actually joined me about six months ago. Uh, she came on and has been really integral uh, both to the design process and building the business. Now, with that said, you know, we're in New York City in the Big Apple trying to get everything out there, recognized. What's your process for gaining traction, gaining leverage, showcasing your gear to the masses? So up until this point, much of the focus has been on building the infrastructure for the business and also on making sure that we have good quality design and really running that by a small group of people. So we've done a lot of small market tests. Uh, We've also done some conventions like Ultimate Sneaker Expo recently, uh, Sneaker Con, and uh, we are doing a lot of social marketing. So you can find us on Instagram at Soul Purpose Designs. Uh, at Soul Purpose DSGN on Snapchat and Twitter and backslash Soul Purpose Designs on Facebook. And that's where we focused a lot of our marketing. We are talking to some of the other uh, large media outlets, complexes, showed interest, High Snobiety, Hype Beast. Um, they all really have had very positive feedback for the designs, uh, and we're looking to do some editorial with them probably coming in the early part of next year. Nice. Now, with that said, you know, you're talking about reaching these particular markets and you're leveraging social. Going back five, ten years ago, has being more socially accessible been a gift, a curse, or a little bit of both? I mean, I, I would definitely agree with your, your last statement saying it's, it's a bit of both. Um, social media has definitely given brands and individuals access to a larger audience of people in probably a much more cost-effective way than anything else ever has. At the same time, though, it's an opportunity to 
make a, a series of mistakes if you're not careful. So I think if I were advising another brand, I would say take full advantage, but take your time and be very deliberate about what you do. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, you know, as someone who's in the same situation as you running running a brand day to day, but also, you know, doing doing the daily grind, it's always it's always a a, a, a double job. You know, you go, you, you punch in, you do your regular nine to five and then your your seven to two in the morning becomes your your secondary in this case, you know, your your driving your driving force to get your brand out there. Now in terms of the design process, you know, walk us through how does that how does that work in the sense of, you know, from concept to market? Okay. So the shoes, again, are kind of the foundation of what we're doing. Um, so we have our four sneakers here in front of us today. I know that the, the audience obviously can't, obviously can't see them, but uh, we have four models, a basketball sneaker, a casual sneaker, a lifestyle sneaker, and a running sneaker. Uh, over the course of a year, uh, in 2014, 2015, uh, I designed one brand new sneaker every day. So we did uh, 365 designs in 365 days. These four models, uh, around the point where we hit 50 or 60 designs, and I decided this is definitely going to become a business, uh, we started to survey people, uh, groups of 10, 15 people at a time, based on uh, visual drawings of the designs. Uh, which of these do you like the most? These were the four that didn't require a license from an outside brand like a Disney or a um, you know, at this point, actually, much of what we've designed that's inspired by brands is owned by Disney, thanks to their ownership of Star Wars and Marvel. Um, so these were the four that didn't require licenses that that people liked the most, and so we decided to take these and turn them into uh, rough samples or prototypes of the shoes. Uh, the actual design process is something I like to call conversion. So what I decided to do after the first couple of shoes that I, I rough designed was to to change the design process conceptually. I had been designing a few pairs. I think I got about four or five pairs in, and they all sort of looked like things I had seen in the marketplace. They all sort of looked like a Hirachi or uh, an Air Max, etc. And I said, no, this this isn't what I want. I want something different. And, I, and the idea came to me actually sitting in front of a Frosty the Snowman Pez dispenser, <laughs> sitting at a table looking at this Pez dispenser, and I said to myself, how does Frosty the Snowman become a sneaker? And I thought to myself, after having done over two years of customs uh, for people, changing colorways, adding drawings to sneakers, um, I don't want to put a picture of this character on a sneaker that's that's been done a thousand times. That's and, the easy way out. Right, and it's boring to me. It's it's not. There's nothing exciting or original about that. So I said, let me take the visual aspects of this this character and let me see if I can apply them to a shoe in a way that's three-dimensional. And that's actually what we've done with the first four models, too. So we have what we call the axe, which visually is a six-string guitar. We've taken the neck and the fret-separating bars. We've taken the tuning pegs. We've taken the strings. We've even taken the, uh, the teardrop decal and the wood grain uh, color of a six-string guitar and applied all of that to a sneaker, taking all those aesthetics and, and sort of adding them onto it. And we've done that with all of our models, and all of the future models will also um, bear that, that same design process. And 
much of it will be inspired by uh, things that people love, their favorite objects, their favorite cities, their favorite hobbies, their favorite characters from pop culture. Um, even the second sneaker that we have here, just to the right of the axe, we call this the mischief. And it actually draws its, its design from Maleficent, from a Disney character. Now, we would never call it that character, obviously, and we wouldn't take the exact image of that character and apply it to a shoe for licensed trademark purposes, but we've taken uh, the green suede, the black leather, and, and the, the, the aesthetic design of the horns, um, even the, the hints of red, and we've added some 3M piping here, which will flash um, in the dark. If you hit it with a light, it'll, it'll really pop, and, and we've made that into, uh, into a basketball sneaker, um, and each of the shoes is exactly that way. Our third shoe, which is our runner, uh, is actually based on Shira. I don't know how many of you guys out there will remember the show He-Man from the 80s. My wife is a big fan of Shira. Shira huge fan. Yeah. Shira being his female counterpart, and actually my sister being a fan is what inspired this shoe in the first place. She's a huge fan as a child, as was one of my cousins who was my age. So we took the Shira tiara that she wore on her head. As you can see, we took the gemstone, the gold wing shape, um, even the blues and whites from her costume, and we applied it to a running shoe that um, bears some similarity to your classic New Balance 574, but with a significant twist. And uh, we made this uh, in Vichetta tan leather, which has been all the rage because, as you can feel, it's very soft. Um, yeah. The shoe itself has... And the perforation some, keeps your feet cool. Yeah, so we went with the perforated leather, keep everything um, still really capable of being an athletic shoe, but at the same time, um, being really aesthetically different and and giving people something that has a lot of flash and pop. And then our last shoe is our casual shoe, um, which we call the Prince. And this is actually based very heavily on a Sikh dress turban, um, something that I have always found to be a really beautiful piece of clothing, very inspired uh, piece of, of culture. So we took uh, a, a, the blue color, uh, and one of the images that we really love, we added a vacuum form satin, which you can feel is a very oh, happy, nice, nice. nice texture. Uh, and that sort of creates the creases you would see in the turban. And then to make it dress, we've added a gemstone and a feather uh, to the front, the way you would see on a dress turban, almost similar to what you would have seen in like uh, Aladdin and the Disney movies. That's right. Um, and we added a gold basket weave to the sides here to sort of uh, resemble the gold string ties that you would find on, on a traditional Sikh turban. Um, and then added another gemstone to the front, really just to give the uh, the tongue a little bit of a pop. Um, the feather itself now is an actual feather. Unfortunately, with the way that things need to be produced for factory yep. and shipping, we won't be able to give the consumers a model with a real feather, um, but we are having a mold made, which will be a, a latex rubber feather, which will actually not only be much easier to ship um, and produce, but will be better in the sense of being more durable uh, if your shoe gets wet or uh, someone were to step on the back of your shoe. A uh, flat tire. Yes, if you were to get a flat <laughs> tire, as well as that, um, you wouldn't ruin your feather at that point in time. It would simply bend and then bounce back. Um, and a lot of these shoes you'll see have um, metallic accents, both in gold and silver. Um, we really wanted the shoes to have an ornate feel that was completely different than anything else on the marketplace. And they've really inspired the other apparel. Yeah, I like, you know, in looking at the designs, I like that everything has, uh, you know, no pun intended, a purpose. You know, everything has 
draws inspiration from things that people always gravitate towards. You know, if you know, for being an '80s baby, you know, you hear Shira, you hear He-Man, you hear Transformers, you you automatically want to see that stuff because it ties into something from your core, whether it's childhood memories, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, if someone's a musician, you know, and they're, they're seeing a guitar essentially on your foot, you know, gutted and, 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 and placed on your foot, I think that things like that and the way that they connect with people are definitely something different. Yeah. As you said, I mean, we kind of wanted to get to the core of people and in a sense, pardon my pun, but we wanted to kind of touch people at their soul a bit. You know, I mean, I found that a lot of what makes a person up are the things that they've learned to love in the course of their life, the things that have inspired them and motivated them. And for everyday people, those things vary significantly, but your shoes, your clothes, they they don't tend to do that. When I go out in the marketplace and I see a lot of what's out there, I realize that much of it is very much the same. And while I appreciate it as someone who's been collecting shoes for almost 15 years, I also think that there are people who are looking for an alternative, who are looking for something that speaks more directly to their voice, that does show more of what's in their soul. And as you pointed out, something like the six-string guitar look of the axe. If you're a guitarist, um, that's a big part of who you are. I started taking uh, acoustic guitar lessons a few years ago, and while I'm still not very good at it, um, (laughs) I find that it's something that brings me a lot of peace and that I have a lot of passion for. And I think for those people who love that, um, this is a shoe that gets gives them the ability to go out in the world and express that love and that passion that's in their soul um, with the rest of the world without having to carry a guitar around on their back. Yeah, I think you know you're reaching you're reaching the those moments in life where people their interests they too many people sometimes want to be and this is something cliche they've made being a geek trendy. Yes, and in the old days, you know that wasn't the case. You know it was always being you know the outcast the outsider the 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 free thinker someone being different from everybody else and now it's become a a purpose where people are being driven to being a geek as the norm yeah it's a trend it's a trend to be a nerd now and and it's it's good and bad because what happens is for those of us that have been in the trenches a long time it strips away all, all of the stuff we enjoy so you know, to, for you to be able to capture some of this in footwear and, and fashion, it still keeps a piece of that with you without being overly out there. Like someone's going to look and they're going to be like, hey, you know, that shoe reminds me of a guitar. And you can be like, because it is, you know, that's mm-hmm. the whole purpose. Or if it's like, hey, you know, that that shoe kind of reminds me of the colorway reminds me of X character. That's it creates conversation. It creates something different i mean you know when you and i met it was because of shoes that's right we were a buddy of mine invited me to air max con and you know i I like sneakers i'm a i'm a decent sneakerhead i say but not to the point of some people where it's super obsessive like with me it's like i like this i'll buy this here and there i mean I went through a per, to a through a point where I wouldn't wear sneakers with jeans because I hated the way they looked. I only wore Timberland boots. Sneakers only came out during the summer, and then mm-hmm. you know you get older, things change. And 
um, Lewis was actually wearing a pair of custom sneakers with Spider-Man on it, and it got my attention immediately. As a as a comic fan, I was like, oh, man, that's that's tremendous. So, you know, I went and I walked up to him, like, man, can I take a picture of your shoes? And, you know, I, I shared it on social, and everybody was like, ah, it's awesome, you know? And that's the kind of thing you don't see every day, but that conversation, that level of interest, you know, a shared interest created a conversation that led us to where we are now. And I think that's where we're at in terms of creating um, – you know, whether it's apparel or content or whatever the case may be, you want to connect with people on that more personal level. Yeah, you want you want to inspire other people to connect. And that, that was really one of the bigger parts of the whole process for me was asking myself the question, how do I get people in a world where we spend so much time disconnected from each other on a truly personal level? How do I get them to connect? And I realized that just like the moment that Rich and I had about those Spider-Man sneakers or over those Spider-Man sneakers, most of the moments I had had in the last few years of my life where I connected to a stranger had a great deal to do with what they were wearing because your fashion becomes a representation of your character. 100%. And, and I feel like we limit ourselves a lot in that, and I wanted to kind of take a lot of the restraint off of that and allow people to, to do that. Um, one of the great inspirations for me was uh, Mark Echo. Uh, a gentleman who now obviously the the head of complex, but at one time was you know the the lead for uh, Echo Unlimited, Echo Echo Designs, Echo Echo Clothing, um, which was a brand that I I grew up loving wearing. I still own quite a few pieces today. People will stop me and ask me about them because it's not a brand that's in vogue or trendy right now. Doesn't rank up there with your great Supremes or Crooks and Castles or Dopes or uh, you know Only and Wide to name just a few. Um, you know, but at the same time as an inspiration for many of those brands and, and also helped to inspire me. I would often wear a shirt that uh, plain white shirt, black letters, just says graffiti made me rich. And I can't wear that shirt to this day outside without at least one person stopping me. So actually for our T-shirt designs, we took a lot of inspiration from that. And uh, our first three T-shirts are based on a concept that just the acronym shirt, I call it, so basically, I took words that I loved and uh, something I'd been doing for a while and I hadn't thought about how to productize it, for lack of a better word, but we turned them into shirts. Uh, the one that Rich and I are looking at now is what we call the dope shirt, uh, essentially top to bottom on the, the right-hand side. It says dope, D-O-P-E, and then we break out the acronym, and I sort of tried to take meaning in each word. For dope, we have defy obstacles, pursue excellence. And for me, if that's what you're doing in life, then you're being dope. Like, you're, you're doing what it takes to be dope at whatever it is you do, whether that's music, that's art, that's business, that's sports. Um, you know, if you defy the obstacles and you pursue excellence in what you do, then, then you're dope, in my opinion. Um, regardless of how much money you have or how many things you have or whatever, you're, you're being dope. Um, and then we, we've carried on that and we've done, I have about 25 of these, but we only released three to start. The second one we call the hype shirt, and uh, you know H Y P E on the right side, and then going across it just says help your people excel. Um, to me, hype the hype man in the world of hip hop was all about helping the MC to excel, That's helping right. him to perform for the crowd. So if you're out there and you're hyping your people up, then you're helping them to excel. You're giving them the motivation that they need 
to move forward and to to be great at what they do. Um, so, to me, hype is important. Like you need to be positive and, and to to help your people. Um, and then the last one we have that's really is actually the first acronym that I came up with in the series, and that's the peace acronym. Uh, this was actually inspired in part um, by Wu Tang. Uh, shout out to the clan. I just saw them this weekend at the Roots picnic. Shout out to the Roots. Great performance. First time I ever saw them live. There's a, an old RZA track. Uh, at the end of the track, he says, Protons, electrons always cause explosions. That's right. Spells out peace for the crowd. It's one of those little winks to the big hip-hop heads and those who are just lovers of lyricism. So we did a peace shirt. We changed the words a little bit. Um, we have P-E-A-C-E down the right side, and then it says positive energy always changes everything. To me, in life, if you come with positive energy, you're going to find peace. You're going to find other positive energy. And with that, you're going to connect to people, which brings me full circle to the beginning. These are shirts where I expect people to see the shirt, read the message, and go and have a conversation with the person wearing it because they find some truth um, or inspiration in the statement. I personally think that there's there's inspiration in it and the message that it's trying to convey is equally inspiring. I think that too many times people go and they just, you know, they slap a design on it because it looks cool, it looks trendy. And at the end of the day, like you said before, your your clothes were a representation of you. And, you know, it's it's the same reason why on casual Fridays, you can't walk into your office with a weed shirt because the first thing they're gonna look at is even if even if you even if you're not, they're gonna be like, "Huh? Excuse me. I wonder, you know." And and you're gonna create that. And again, that goes back to the whole thing of just the way you're being perceived. And in that, you know, you only get one first impression. Mm-hmm. And if that first impression is gift wrapped in a message that isn't you. They're going to associate that message that's not you with you. Yeah, you, you have to kind of control and create the perception of yourself. You, you have to make those, those choices every day. Um, and I do think that your, your clothing is, is a statement about who you are. Um, and I think everyone's entitled to, to make that statement. And I think that us as a brand, we're, we're trying to give people the option to in terms of our shoes, make a really bold statement if they want to. And in terms of the, of the shirts, we're giving people the opportunity to make a really positive statement. And I think we, we really wanted to differentiate. And you had said uh, people go out there, if you went out with a weed shirt, people would assume this or assume that. One of the things that I disliked a lot growing up in the 90s, being an 80s baby, was that a lot of brands simply put, and even today this is still a thing, they simply put their, their name on the front of things and, and put it out there. And I had always said growing up, I didn't want to be a billboard for a brand. Um, now, I can't say we don't make apparel with our name. That would be untrue. But that's not the core of what we do, and, and I never want it to be as a brand. I always want there to be more to what we do than just putting our name on things. And I've also noticed a trend of late, especially in streetwear, where people are essentially taking popular hip-hop lyrics and putting them on clothes. And while I have a love affair with hip-hop that started at 11 years old, and I think that some of the lyrics I see are fantastic and amazing, and and I actually do appreciate and support a lot of those brands, I wanted the message that we put out to be original. Um, 
you know, my appreciation for, for lyrics from people like Nas, Jay-Z, Biggie, that'll never die. That's something I grew up loving and, and I'll always love. But I wanted my message to be our own message and not someone else's. No, I think that's one of the things. You know, you mentioned Mark Echo, and the funny thing is I have a closet pretty much full of cut-and-sew stuff because I went through that transition period where I was wearing the Echo stuff normally, and then when he made what I like to say the the grown man line, you know, with cut-and-sew, I started buying the cut-and-sew. There there was actually a cut-and-sew store in uh, Roosevelt Field Mall, Mm -hmm. and I would go there, buy all my pieces, wear them to work, and you know it was still a, a a corporate culture, but there was always you know a little little skull and crossbones, little scissor and skull on on the polo shirts, little, and little wink, little wink, and it would it would create conversation. It would get people talking, and they'd be like, "Hey, that's a that's a pretty cool shirt." And again, you know, you're not you're not creating any other narrative except, "Hey, I'm more than just you know a shirt and tie, or more than just." Uh, you know, a fitted hat and sneakers like that. At the end of the day, the, the narrative you're trying to create is one part who you are and how you connect, but also how people see you initially. Yeah. I mean, uh, to to kind of uh, build on, on what you said, I, I spent so much time at one point in the Echo Store locally in, in Kings Plaza Mall that when they closed the store down a couple of years ago, uh, the manager of the store actually let me go with, I would say, I don't know, a couple dozen hangers from the store. Uh, I won't say uh, who the manager was then, because I don't know if he was supposed to do that. But uh, my closet is actually full of wooden hangers with Echo logos uh, on them, um, just, you know, because I had so much love for cotton so especially at that point, having already been grown, and, and even just the, the T-shirts and... Uh, that was right around the same time that they actually started to collab with some other people, and I, I really thought that uh, the brand was going to have a, a resurgence working with folks like uh, Joey Badass. Um, shout out to Pro Era, by the way. Um, cousin of mine grew up with those dudes, and uh, uh, Kirk Knight and Nick Caution, um, right out of uh, James Madison High School, where I actually went to school in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I really thought the brand was going was gonna to sort of resurface at that point. But I'm glad to still have some of that flavor taste in complex and uh, you know some of that that uh, that sort of cultural vibe that that got to continue and live on in that. Well, it's funny too because you know we cover MMA and they started getting into MMA. Yeah. Uh, they started doing boxing. They did a Miguel Cotto. Uh, so there was there was always something. You saw the rhino in a couple of places you wouldn't expect to see it. Like I remember. Uh, Frank Mir, one of one of my favorite UFC fighters, he comes out in an Echo Great shirt, fighter. and I was like, I need to buy that shirt, mm-hmm. and I went and I bought the shirt. I still wear it, and um, you know, it's it's crazy how that goes. We reach a point where, you know, we start looking for those nostalgic brands, mm-hmm. sometimes for ourselves, but also because we want to see them live on. Yeah. And I think that what you're crafting with sole purpose is something that, you know. Obviously, there's a message behind it, but you can have it live on in a nice, non-abrasive, non-boom explosion sort of way. Just nice, subtle messages that they get out there, forces people to think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely a step in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. Um, To kind of 
piggyback a bit on on the last time you you mentioned Frank Mir and how Echo had sort of expanded a bit at that point into into MMA and obviously it had always been a staple in the music world and also amongst skaters, BMX riders. Uh, I like to think of Soul Purpose in in a very similar way in that sense where I think of us as a brand um, that very much uh, has a range amongst people uh, because of the fact that the shoes themselves are inspired by so many different things. Uh, we have shoes inspired by pop culture characters, cartoon characters. We have a sneaker that's designed to resemble a hot air balloon um, where we have a basket weave strap on the on the uh, the front of the sneaker and we have a silk um, sort of material reminiscent of those uh, parachutes we used to play with in elementary school when we were kids and that those big multicolored rainbow hot air balloons. Um, you know, they, these sort of things, I feel like, touch a very wide range of people, and I think it gives people with specific hobbies, talents, interests, the opportunity to really represent those. I mean, we really want to feel like we're including a large number of people, and at the same time, being very niche into the thing that they love, and giving them a chance to represent that thing out in the world in a small way through their shoes and clothes. I think, you know, you're definitely moving in the right direction with that and I gotta ask along the way you know what are some of the toughest hurdles you've overcome because you know people are hearing this maybe they have an itch to do something uh whether whether it's to the to the range of what you're doing or on a smaller scale you know what have been some of the the challenges that you've had to deal with along the way so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this a little differently than what I hear most people answer because I've heard this question asked a lot. Um, I've gone to a lot of different uh, interviews myself and, and watched people be interviewed and talked to. Uh, most recently, probably Swiss Beats, um, who's an amazing DJ musician. Um, I watched him at a WeWork uh, talk a lot about building his brand and, and going from music to fashion to art and the challenges that he faced. And, and a lot of what he said were things that were very inspirational. Like I often say to my niece that success is simply a product of hard work over over time. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit more of a specific answer here because I feel like people miss out on that a lot. We faced a lot of challenges in terms of manufacturing, finance, uh, and, and connecting to people. Uh, even in a world where things are so accessible via the Internet, it's still very hard to connect to the people that you need uh, to get things done. Getting the rough samples made of the sneakers, the hats, the T-shirts, getting all of that made really required forging a connection with people who had those abilities, and that's not easy. I suggest you you get out there, you start doing the research, making the phone calls, talking to the people, learning about the process and the pricing. The more you know, the better you're going to be at things. I came into this with a background of over 10 years in marketing and advertising. It was the one part of all of this that I knew. I had been an art major in college. I'd been an artist through high school and and through my childhood. So the design part came naturally to me until it got to the point of actually making the shoes. Now, having come from the sneaker world in terms of being a buyer, collector, being a customizer... I was able, through people I'd met, to find someone who could make the rough samples. Uh, shout out to Chase Shell. Um, I think he actually changed his Instagram name, but I'm sure you guys can still find him. Uh, he made the first rough samples, and then we actually had them adjusted over at Brooklyn Shoe Space 
which I know all of you can find. Go find Brooklyn Shoe Space. Wonderful shop. Go get your bespoke shoes there. If you want rough samples, it's a great place to go and talk to them about it. Um, but all of that, it, it really took time. And even the hats and the shirts, I went and found a friend who had created a brand called Stereotype. Um, and shout out to them. Dave Noodles, I know Dave him. Dave Noodles, there you go. Everybody knows Noodles. Um, and he actually helped us to put together the samples of the hats and the T-shirts that you see today. Um, but we're moving now to factory-level production, and that in itself is another challenge. I was fortunate that a friend of mine had a family member who creates, um, or I should say manufactures shirts for um, Michael Kors, Diesel, a large number of a large number of, uh, of different clothing brands, and they're going to be manufacturing our shirts, which I'm sure will tell the audience that our T-shirts are going to be of the finest quality, um, in terms of the, the hat manufacturing, we're actually looking still right now for a scale manufacturer for the hats. And uh, we just uh, started taking bids from two different factories uh, to, to manufacture the shoes. These are things that took a long time in terms of leeway, a lot of emails, a large number of phone calls, communication with a lot of people. You really have to be in it and do, do all of the steps. And the biggest thing I'll say to everyone is start out with a plan and a budget. Figure out where you want to go. Work backward from that. Set steps for yourself. Set tasks for yourself. And set a budget for yourself. Decide what you want each thing to cost. And keep your cost minimal. Our first photo shoot was far too expensive when I look back on it. We tried to create a vibe, have fun, turn it into a party. And while we ended up with a great lookbook, we probably could have done that for half to even a quarter of the expense that we put into it. So... Be cost conscious, be time conscious, create a plan, a schedule, and a budget. Start with those three things, then do all the legwork. I think, you know, those are those are all valuable lessons that you're you're putting out there, especially because we are we're in a situation now where too many people wanna be a guru at twenty five. You know, they haven't been battle tested. Mm. And I think that part of it you know, it's, you know, the struggle is is part of the grind and people don't, people, they, you know, they look on Instagram, they see the, the marketing guy laying on a mattress full of money. Oh, that could be me. It's like people don't understand that it's a, um, it's, it's, it's a long road, especially for, you know, the way you're, you're breaking down your process. You have, you know, all the manufacturing, all the design, trying to find the right people, trying to find people that actually believe in your message because that's that's really something people don't understand. Everybody wants to be there on the ride if it's going well. Right. Build a team you can trust. Make sure that they're with you and that they believe in what you're doing because if they don't, then you're going to find yourself with fair-weather friends and when things get tough, you're not going to be able to rely on those people. And ultimately, it comes down to also the ability to rely on yourself. You need to know that you're committed and that you're willing to do the work um, because if you're not, you're going to wake up one day, you're going to hit something in terms of an obstacle that's too hard, and you're not going to get through it. So be be prepared because you're going to beat your head against the wall more often than not. You're going to see a lot more failure than success on a daily basis, and you have, to, you have to relish the small successes, and you have to have a short memory of the failures. The people who succeed often are the people whose memory of when they failed is, is the shortest because if you hold on to those things and you let them build up, the negative energy will drag you down. No, I think, you know, that's that's something people 
people don't take into consideration because it's so easy now to start a business. Like, you know, I didn't, I started just doing this on a whim as a hobby. And then I'm like, wow, I'm pretty good at this. And then I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And then, you know, doing podcasts turned into doing, you know, live shows turned into doing the site all while still running a, a regular, regular job. And the thing is that that's when you find out at 2 a.m. when you're sitting there trying to put together a piece of content, in your case, trying to come up with a, with a kick-ass piece of merch that you say to yourself, is, is it worth it? Yeah. Those are, those are the hours that people don't, don't comprehend that, you know, it's not, it's not the go in your case, you know, doing, shooting the lookbook, it's shooting the lookbook, then looking at your bank account and realizing, shit, was that a good idea or not? Let me, I'm going to say this. If, if you, if you're sleeping more than five hours a night and you have a day job, um, then you're not working enough hours on your business um, because there are other people out there who are going to outwork you. Um, growing up, I was a basketball player, and just like most people in my generation, I admired to an incredible degree Michael Jordan. And most people admired Michael for the same reason people do today. He was an amazing athlete. He did astonishing things. Myself, growing up, I think I had the good fortune of being reminded that the reason you admire Michael is because Michael got up when the sun came up and played basketball until after the sun went down. He actually once said, uh, I never lost a game. I just ran out of time. And that right there, I think, is a phrase that speaks to his work ethic because according to Michael, if there was still time left, then you should still be trying to win. Uh, you should not give up while there's time. People who make the most change in life are the people who stick around the longest. Um, there's actually a great Mars track where his opening quote is basically that. He t- talks about being at a video arcade and how the kid with the most change was able to stay on the machine the longest. And he kind of flipped it and said, well, he was able to do the most in the game or he was able to do, you know, he was able to make the most change because he was in the game the longest. Um, I think that's a big part of it is, is just being able to accept that you have to put in that time. You know, I have a 10-year-old and he'll often come to me when we're playing a game or doing an activity and he's not doing well and he'll feel discouraged uh, that he's not great and he'll say, you know, I stink or I'm terrible. And I realize that generationally between him and my nieces and nephews, uh, they've been given this idea by the Internet, by these curated images on Instagram, Facebook, etc., that people are instantaneously great at things, that they're successful because they were born with some innate ability at some specific thing, whether that's playing guitar or basketball or drawing or whatever. But no one is. Uh, An artist, a business person, an athlete, uh, no one is born these things. You choose to become something, and then you have to make this second harder choice to do the work it takes to be great at that thing, to be better than other people. If you want to be great at something, all you need is to put in the time and effort. No, I'm with you on that 100%. And that brings me to uh, one question, which is, you know, sole purpose, you're putting it out there for the masses. And I'm sure that as you were creating it, you had, you know, what people like to call the muse. Like, who is their ideal? Who's their customer? With that said... You know who's who are you? Who are you striving to reach? 
I think when I started, I wanted to reach sneakerheads, as people would say, or as Babito, one of my favorite people, Babito Garcia, shout out to Stretch and Babito, um, as he would say, sneaker connoisseurs. But I think as it went on, I realized that I think my core audience now is actually artists. Um, I think that if you are an artist and you are the type of person who is an art lover even and you just feel this passion to express yourself in a way that other people maybe necessarily don't, then you're my customer. And that, that doesn't even necessarily mean you are an artist, but if you are an artist at heart, if you are creative at heart, then this is for you. Um, because that, that to me is who I speak to. I speak to creative people and giving them the opportunity to express that creativity in a way that maybe other brands haven't up until this point. Um, I think I've seen some things from other brands that, that touch on that, but maybe don't necessarily go over that line in the way that we do. No, I feel, you know, that's one of the things that people don't take into consideration. It's trying to figure out who's that person. Cause sometimes we end up building stuff for our ego. Yeah. You know, and we get caught up in the, oh, this is going to be great. Everybody's going to like this. And then it's like, no, it, you like it. And that's that's why I had to ask, like, who do you see oh, yeah. at that? Because it's exactly what you were saying. You started this out because you were sneakerhead. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that was your fan base. But that's become such a mainstream niche now, which mm-hmm. is which is insane, that you got to kind of look outside of the box. So, yeah. you know, I, I commend you for that because not too many people get that moment of clarity so quickly in the process that they end up, you know, a year in, two years in, and they're like, I got to pivot. Yeah, I don't I don't have the audience I thought I had. And yep. I, I think that's a big thing. One of the things we did that I would suggest to people that's smart is share what you have, not just with family and friends, but with people you've never met. I know that there's a lot of fear of that because you're worried, oh, someone might take my idea. Here's the thing. One of the first things you need to do before you share, um, and as important as that is, is go get incorporated. Go spend the $250, get your incorporation. Go spend the $350, get your trademark on your name, on your logo. You know, Get your copyrights done on your designs. And even if you can't afford to go get a copyright on every design you make, get it down on paper get it dated, get a digital copy, make sure you have that file information because at that point you're protected legally. So once you're legally protected, after you've made that step, go out and show it to people. Get people's feedback. Make your adjustments because it is about the audience. It isn't about your ego. It isn't about what you think is beautiful. If you want to make what you think is beautiful for yourself, I encourage everyone out there, go do that. But if you want to build a brand, then you need to think, as Rich pointed out, about your audience. That's why we surveyed people before we picked our first four designs. That's why looking at these designs even now, because these are rough samples, I'm making adjustments to the rough samples when we produce the production samples based on people's feedback. You know, we went out and uh, we originally had black outsoles on two of the shoes, the Prince and the Axe, and uh, we said, you know, what do you think to probably about 50 people? And most people said, well, I think I'd like to see this with a different sole. I'd like to see this with a, with a white sole. Maybe, you know, maybe we keep the black but only in the outsole. Um, in the rough samples, you'll see we have what's called a amalgam sole, which is sort of a generic, and we've essentially just painted the sole to have a black edge 
um, and a white midsole. When we get to the production level, we're actually going to mold a sole that will have a, a white midsole and a black outsole, and will actually be very rese will resemble greatly um, your your uh, Nike SB Dunk sole, uh, both for style and and comfort purposes. Uh, obviously, we won't copy that sole exactly, um, you know, because it, it's a property of Nike, but. Um, we will create a sole that's very similar to that, and, and that was actually taken from feedback from other people, too. Rich pointed out earlier that he himself buys certain shoes. Um, I think that's a lot of people's thing, is they find a model of shoe that they're particularly fond of, uh, and they wear that because it's very comfortable to them, and they know that regardless of the colorway, they're going to feel stylish in that shoe. One of those shoes I found is very wide-loved is obviously the Nike SB Dunk. Uh, the Dunk is a shoe that's been around since the 70s, a shoe I'm a big fan of and so we've actually taken in terms of the midsole and outsole on our casual and our lifestyle shoe a lot of inspiration on that but obviously the upper half of our shoe is significantly different um, our basketball shoe sole is actually very similar to and on the rough sample is actually a generic version of the Adidas tubular um, we'll be creating a mold similar to but not identical to that for our production sample keeping in mind that we love the comfort of that sole, um, but we want something that's somewhat aesthetically different. And with the runner, as I said earlier, very reminiscent of this sole, midsole, and outsole of a New Balance 574, right down to the hard heel guard. This was a shoe that I grew up wearing, um, that I love, and that we are going to create a mold that is similar but not identical to, um, so that we can retain that level of comfort. Um, you know, being someone who collected sneakers, I didn't just go out and buy what people told me was hot. I went and bought what I liked, but I also went and did research about the shoe building process and found out about things um, like energy return. For example, ER is a term that's used in the, in, in the industry and essentially means when you put your foot down, does the shoe push your foot back up? I want to make sure that like on a Jordan 11 or a Jordan 12, which are two of my favorite classic shoes, all of our shoes have great energy return. It's something that's still integral to the athletic shoe design process. And while our shoes are lifestyle shoes, people live an active lifestyle, especially here in New York City. Right. Um, and I want people to be able to be active in our shoes while still being fashionable. No, I think, um, you know, applying that, it's, it's good because you're applying the experiences of how the average person uh, does their day-to-day. -day. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be walking you're going to be running to catch the bus. Yeah. You're going to be running you're gonna, to get the You're train. going to sprint across the street at some point. Guys. Yep. We all do it. Yep, you're going to do that. You're going to maybe meet up with a couple of friends and maybe they want to do a quick pickup game or play horse or you know whatever the case is. Yeah. You might you might just want to transition to that and I think that's that's a big part of it. We're we're in the the versatility game and I think it's just become more acceptable to do certain things. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm still not a, a, a comfortable person with like a suit and sneakers. I just can't do it. I still want, I keep the classics classic. It's tough. I'm, I'm weird with that stuff, but I, you know, I'm all for, if you're going to a, to a more relaxed setting, you know, having a cool pair of sneakers that sticks out or having a, a you know, a, 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 you know, a subtle design, something that, that, that pops. And I think that's one of the things that you guys are doing, very well. I mean, with the mock-ups that I'm looking at, I feel that you can look at it, they add character, they give character, and they build character. That's actually our tagline. Ironically, uh, we refer to it as uh, sole purpose designs kicks with character. 
Um, that was chosen actually from a dozen different quickly come up with taglines. That was another one where we did a quick market survey, uh, just grabbed 25 people, ran the, uh, the the 12 different taglines by them and said, you know, which one of these do you think actually suits what you see here in front of you and, and decided on that one. Um, in terms of the, the sneakers with dress clothes, actually Ronnie Feig just did a really interesting piece a couple months back, I think for Complex, shout out to Ronnie and Kit, um, you know, about wearing dress shoes or wearing sneakers with dress clothes. And I like to think that our shoes, not all of them, but for example, the Axe or the Prince, lend themselves to the ability of maybe not wearing with a suit, but well, you can go in. out. Yeah, you can go out in your 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 casual work clothes, your khakis, your sweater, you know, your uh, you know your chinos and a and a, a dress shirt, and you could wear uh, the Axe, which is this beautiful brown whiskey leather. Um, you could wear that to work, and people would look at it and they'd say, okay, it's got a clean front. It's a very you know high end leather. Um, I can get away with this at work, and at the it's same a premium time, design. Yeah, and at the same time, you could go out and get on a skateboard, um, and you could you could skate in this. So if you want to go skateboarding or you want to be in a board room, uh, one board to the other, uh, this is a great shoe for it. Now to bring things full full circle, you know, you guys are doing uh, hats, kicks, shirts. What is your what's your end game? Uh, honestly, I think that we're probably going to keep the product line limited to a smaller number of products. One of the things I noticed is that a lot of brands, um, especially once they've built a brand name, will essentially make any product and put their name on it. Yep. Um, you're not going to find me making lighters. I'm sorry. You're not going to find me making mini skateboard decks or bottle openers. None of those things. Um, while I appreciate the brands that do that, and I love that I own a lighter that says dope on it that I got from the dope store out in L.A., shout out to those guys. They're great. I don't personally want to do that. I'm also not going to make a large number of pieces. Just so the audience is clear, there will be 1,000 pairs of each of these sneakers in this specific colorway and none beyond that. And I don't mean none this year or none this decade. None I mean there ever. will be none. When, when these are done... And that thousand pairs is sold of each pair. We will not re-release these. Um, in terms of the hats, the the hat designs themselves um, will probably be limited in terms of uh, each set of colorways that comes out. Um, and the same thing with the T-shirts. Um, we'll probably continue to produce these acronyms, but the specific colorways that are out now will probably not be re-released. Uh, the sneakers are a definite. The hats and shirts, um, we're still really taking that into consideration. But in all likelihood, each of these things will be limited to a thousand pieces. Uh, also, when you purchase your sneakers, uh, you will inclusively in your purchase receive your choice of either a five-panel snap pack or dad hat, quote unquote, or strap back hat, as well as one of each of the t-shirt designs uh, in a color of your choosing. So we really want, while producing a high-end product, to also give people value um, in their purchase. We don't want people to spend hundreds of dollars on a pair of sneakers and feel like they've been priced out of the purchase because they're not getting enough for their money. Um, I think a lot of people know now better than they did before what it costs to produce these items. I think for anyone who uh, is an avid watcher of a show like Shark Tank, for example, yep. you know you hear every day what's your cost of goods on those shows. And then you hear what people sell them for, and you must think to yourself, like I do, uh, how can you possibly justify marking things up that much? 
I know what it's going to cost me to produce these shoes. I know what it's going to cost me to produce the hats and the T-shirts. I know how much I need to make for the company to make money um, and for this to be something that supports me living a comfortable lifestyle. And I'll tell you right now as an audience, I'm not in this to get rich. Uh, If I make millions off this, much of it will go back uh, to the community. Uh, We strongly support... Uh, the New Design High School in the Lower East Side and all New York City arts programs. We're also supportive of a group called uh, Stay Hungry. Shout out to Sarita Gates, who began that, uh, and Al Simmons. Uh, They actually teach culinary arts to inner-city kids who are underserved. Uh, Right now we're supporting those two programs, and we actually also hope to drive enough revenue to support the Christopher Reeves Foundation, uh, who's currently uh, basically scaling a technology that would cure injury-based paralysis uh, in our lifetime in the way that we know it. They actually have that cure already, but cost-effectively, it's too much money uh, for uh, for people uh, with those injuries to actually be able uh, to use it, to take advantage of it. So, uh, And we'll continue to support other groups that are looking at social justice, human rights. Uh, we are a company that believes in equality for everyone, and uh, we will do everything we can with the proceeds from what we make to support that i respect that i think that you know it's uh something uh gary vaynerchuk said that resonated with me it's about not how much you make but how you make it and if how you make it allows you to go to bed at night with well when we do sleep with a clear conscience then we're doing good in the world so i you know i commend you for that that's you know that's the right way to that's the right way to do it man the right way to conduct business um where can people catch up with Soul Purpose? Where can people find you guys? Where can people buy the gear? So the the gear is actually going to release, I believe, starting in January. So we got a couple months leading up to that. But in the meantime, you can follow us uh, at Soul Purpose Designs on Instagram, at Soul Purpose DSGN, thanks to the character limits on Snapchat and Twitter, uh, and ha- backslash Soul Purpose Designs on Facebook. And you can see our splash page where you'll find the links to all those social media feeds, soulpurposedesigns.com. Awesome. I want to thank Lewis for taking the time out of his schedule to sit down with us and share his sole purpose with us. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Make sure to check out all the links. We'll make sure to put them in the show notes. And as always, uh, keep an eye out for sole purpose. We'll make sure you guys are kept up to date with all that info. Thank you guys for listening, Lewis. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. That was our interview with Lewis Blout from Soul Purpose Designs. To find out more about Soul Purpose Designs, make sure to look for the links in the interview notes on RageWorks.net for this episode. As always, if you are interested in being featured either on a future episode of My Take Radio Behind the Mic or My Take Radio Beyond the Mic, or if you'd like to be a guest on a regular episode of My Take Radio either of our live broadcasts on Wednesday and Thursday nights, you can drop me a line, rich at rageworks.net. Once again, I want to thank you guys for checking out this episode of My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. And as always, if you like this episode and any of our other content and you're consuming it via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio, please take a few seconds and give us a review. Five stars would be appreciated, but if you feel it wasn't five stars, then clearly I didn't deliver what I needed to. So, as always, feel free to leave an honest review. We consider each and every one of them 
vital and important to everything that we're trying to accomplish. So again, take a moment, give us a rating either on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you on another episode of MTR Beyond the Mic. Peace. Thank you.